Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning into today's show. We have a pretty actionable episode today with a lot of good strategies to take home and put into your relationship. Yeah, uh, we welcome Dr. Jolie Hamilton and we talk about how to take all the information that you're getting from the show or the books you're reading, podcasts you're listening, and turn it into action through a specific sequence, basically, um, that... Dr. Hamilton lays out for us and gives us a lot of great tips along the way as well. Yeah, and just a, a little bit about Dr. Jolie Hamilton. She is a research psychologist, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and also a certified sex educator. So she's got a lot of experience in a lot of different areas and really kind of everything we talk about today. Yeah, and in parenting because oh, she has yes. seven kids and, yes. and we ask her about that towards the end of the show and how she navigates her relationship and with her kids and herself and, and her and partner. Her partner yeah. And listen to this. At, at one point she shared she was 
they tracked uh, the amount of time her and her husband were spending on their relationship per week. And she said it was a particularly hard time. So that's the context, but it was 15 hours a week. And that's not saying like, that's what you need to do. But it was interesting to hear that, that like, that's a lot of time, especially when yeah. you have seven kids and they were committed to, to working it out. And sometimes that's what it takes. So Dr. Jolie gives us a lot of great tips and information, both personal and professional, uh, to help us in our relationships. And as always, thank you guys for tuning in, for leaving reviews and for sharing the podcast with your family. If you have not subscribed to our 14 day free happy couple challenge, uh, please check it out. It's on our website, uh, idopodcast.com. It's up at the top and we send you daily actionable emails for 14 days to help improve and strengthen your relationship. So we encourage you guys to check that out and we hope you enjoy today's show. Before we jump into today's interview, we want to tell you about our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign me up. (laughs) Then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show, relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along, but we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. Uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. Hi, Jolie. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This will be fun. Today, we're going to talk about strategies couples can use to create concrete and actionable plans. And we love this topic because we've done 250 plus shows with a lot of different information. And sometimes it can feel like information overload and we're not actually able to apply the things necessarily. It's like, okay, we understand this, but it's hard to turn that into a plan into action. So let's dive in and talk about how we can frame different ideas around improving the relationship to form plans and positive action. Yeah. Well, I think you're totally right, Chase there. It's all about um, the difference between simply wanting something to be different or better and actually doing the things that it takes to make change. Um, And I find that I need concrete plans or I can't actually show up as my best self in my relationship. So that's how my work has, has directed as well. And what would you tell a partner who, 
you know, it, maybe it's it's a listener or it's their partner who's like, yeah, I just listened to this podcast. It's great that this is what we should do. And and they're sharing all these ideas, but then it kind of just fizzles out. How can they start to think about creating an action plan and, and more importantly, implementing it? Yeah. So I think the most important thing is to re- recognize the fact that you always get to work on your side of the street. You, there is no, there's no one stopping you from working on your relationship from the point of view of I'm in this relationship. So I'm creating change. So even if our partner isn't really excited about jumping into something we all call work, this working on our relationship, we can always start with ourselves. But let's hope that our partner is on board for at least actively doing something. And then, yeah, we want to transition from just the idea that, hey, this maybe could be better. Um, and often that happens in a spontaneous car conversation or at the tail end of a fight, like, oh, we should really work on this. I like to say that anything we want to make happen, it's just like in, it's just like in business. We got to write it down. So I like to get a commitment and a commitment can be as small as just a 30 minute time that we're going to talk about our relationship every week. You know, a lot of times people go to a therapist and that one hour a week is the only time they talk about their relationship. And while therapy is awesome, you don't need a therapist to set aside the 30 minutes or 60 minutes. So that's the first thing that I recommend. Um, after that, I always say, think first about what you actually need. Sometimes we're looking for a change in our relationship, but we're looking for something that, in fact, we can totally do ourselves. Um, so if I tune into what I actually need from my partner, um, for instance, if I want attention, well, then I need to structure for myself a conversation about how am I going to get the attention I desire? And that can be a very straightforward plan uh, for a very time-bound conversation. We can say, okay, let, we want to make a request for a 30-minute conversation. I say no longer than 30 minutes. 15 is great. Um, so make the time and then be very clear before you ever get into the conversation. Get clear on your own end. What are you looking for exactly? And I say, write it down. Because when we write down, we think. Writing is thinking. So take the time to write a few sentences about exactly what change you're hoping to get. That'll give you the space to self-check and say, is this actually something I need to ask my partner for? Or is this just a change I want to make? Then once you've decided it's something that your partner needs to participate in, practice the conversation. You know, we, we talk about practicing, say, public speaking, or some people will even practice before they get on a podcast, right? We can practice a difficult conversation with our partner ahead of time. And if we can even just practice like the first two or three sentences we need to say, and again, writing them down is a great idea. Practice them, say them out loud a couple of times so that they feel natural to you. Then you're ready to actually have that conversation. And when we get into the conversation, the first step I always say is, you want to check for halt. Is either of you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And if you are, halt. Take care of hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, just like you would for a toddler. Take care of yourselves. Get a snack. <laughs> Take a nap. <laughs> Maybe start with a hug. If you're, if you're feeling lonely, we can feel lonely even in connection. Um, and then it's all about the action. You just got to show up and say those first few sentences and get the ball rolling on this conversation. And for me, I set a timer because I'll talk for a long time, like I just did right now. And <laughs> so I set a timer so that I know that our conversation is going to be bounded and everybody can feel safe in that. So that's my, that's my really short version of how we can get real change in a succinct period of time. Can we dive a little bit more into that 15-minute conversation and what that looks like? And should you be alternating times, you know, with your partner? How does that work so that one person doesn't take up the full 15 minutes and then the other person is not left with any say? That's a great question, Sarah. So I, I find that it really helps to use objects. We need something external to remind us. So I've used two different tools. One is I'll use um, an object that matters to both partners. Maybe it was some uh, tchotchke that you got on your honeymoon or, you know, something that like some some ornament that sits around your house and, and just hold it and set a phone timer. I just use a two minute, you know, toothbrush timer. And so I use the timer and the object to remind me, this is my turn to talk. And then I pass it back and forth. It sounds 
it sounds kind of basic. You know, it, I actually, I have seven kids. So I have had to <laughs> work with all the stages of, you know, learning how to communicate. And this one's basic, but we all need the reminder to to engage back and forth. And that's on both sides. The person who's less likely to talk also needs the encouragement. So getting this object in their hands can be a reminder. Oh, now's my turn. And it's not going to last forever. It's going to last for two minutes or three minutes. Do you have any tips for the person who is listening? Because I know so often when someone is speaking to us, we are thinking of what we want to say and and then it distracts us from what the other person is telling us. So do you have any suggestions or strategies there to make that communication more effective? Yeah, this is this is important. You know, we talk about um, active listening skills. We want to engage with our partner. But when a, a difficult conversation by its very nature, well, it's challenging, right? It's challenging some piece of our sense of normalcy. What's what's regular in our relationship. So often we feel defensive and we don't even notice we're feeling defensive um, or we'll feel pre-defensive. We'll, we'll put up our armor even before. So that's one of the reasons why I like the bounded time span um, because it can help us remember what we want to do is invite and accept for just this bounded period of time, invite and accept and stay present in the moment. So what I'll ask people to do is simply pay attention to the actual words your partner is using. Listen, tune into the words so that you can hold on, pull out three or four words, like, right, stay with them, stay with their actual words, rather than thinking about your response. And and grounding to the words themselves helps us remember that our partner talks about this issue a little bit differently than we would. And that's a good thing. The difference in our in ourselves is a really essential part of of a great relationship. What would you say to someone who they're communicating with their partner and then the partner communicates, but you can tell they're not fully sharing, if that makes sense. So it's like, like, oh no, it's like, that's okay. Um, Yeah, I'm good with that. And it's like the tone, the body language, you can tell that they're not. Um, and, and often it seems like, you know, that might be not a place to just leave off because it's kind of unresolved. So how can you navigate those situations? Yeah. So the downside to a bounded time conversation is that someone who is withholding, um, and that is some people's attachment strategy, you know, they, they avoid, they, they don't want to open up this way. And that is that is a coping mechanism they developed for a reason, right? So even though they might not mean to, they might be avoiding. And the time-bound conversation gives them an opportunity to kind of run out the clock. Not what we're looking for in this situation. So this takes some intention and it takes a special kind of curiosity to stay with even the messages that just their body, our body is giving. So if we're reading something out of our partner, and they're not, it's not matching up with their words. That's when I like to reflect back with very neutral language. I see that you're twisting your hands. Is there something that's not said? Or I know that you're saying it's fine, but you know, I've heard frequently that fine is a cover for, for maybe some other feelings. Is there something else that you'd like to say? And actually invite them to pull back that layer. Um, but with really neutral language. Often what we'll do is say, I know you're not telling the truth or we'll, we'll go in with a sort of accusatory move if we're the more dominant talking partner um, or if we're the one who's planning the conversation. So yeah, think about it as the same way. I like to hold space for that just like they're a, a sort of shy seven-year-old and say, how would I, how would I let the, the, the shy person come out into this conversation? Well, I'm going to need to slow down just a little bit. I'm going to need to take, take a breath and then notice what their body is saying. Sometimes the body has more message than the words can. And so this might be just the first conversation. Not, I like to tell people, make some notes for yourself. If you, have a, if you have one of these great, difficult, but growth-oriented conversations and it doesn't go the way you want it to, or even if it does, really, give yourself a little after-action review. Write down for yourself or take a voice message for yourself. How did that go? What did you see that made you feel like maybe your partner wasn't opening up? 
these conversations don't happen just once. You're going to circle back around to them. It's like you're always in a spiral and you're going to come back to these same issues, but you can approach them from a new perspective. You'll go a little bit deeper each time. But often we just repeat the same thing because we don't actually do anything. We don't write it down. We don't take an action afterwards. We don't make it a real thing that happened. So we just forget about it. So I think it's all about actually noticing, really noticing. Were they able to be present? And if they're not, and that's a consistent issue, then it might be time to get a third party, a coach or a therapist involved so that they can foster that kind of new communication with you. You might need a a helping hand. I was just going to ask if we're having these conversations and things feel stuck, is that a time to get a third party or how can we recognize the time for that? Or, you know, it's a hard balance because it'd be like, oh, we might be able to talk this out. It seems like, but it ends up, it's the same kind of topic every time. Yeah. And some of the best research research on relationships is out there tells us that we're going to have these same sort of sticky fights over and over and over again in our relationship. That doesn't mean that our relationship isn't working. But if we feel stuck in the sticky fight, like it's always exactly the same rather than, oh, this is a sticky spot where we get bogged down. But yeah, we, we, we are making progress and it's shifting, even though it is our sticky fight. Um, if we're truly stuck, one of the ways we can recognize that is, are we just repeating the exact same phrases over and over again? And usually I can notice that in myself. Like, oh, I'm saying the exact same phrase. Well, I'm going to get the same result. Um, another thing that can pop up is that it comes up at the same time of year over and over and over again. And if it comes up at the same time of the year, it might be attached to some external thing that's going on. And in those sorts of cases, when we're when we're stuck in a really um, in a pattern that we just can't seem to leverage ourselves out of, there are a couple things that we can do. We can change our context, and we can change the way we're talking about it. To change the context, it, sometimes it's as simple as okay, take that conversation and go for a walk in the woods, or take that conversation and go for an Airbnb overnight, one night, and have that conversation outside of the day to day stresses. Um, but sometimes the, t- the change of context needs to be to a place where you have a third party to help you weigh in. Um, if we want to change the way we're communicating, it's a process. So yeah, sometimes it requires, I think of this as education. You know, we, when we're little, we get taught how to be, how to like behave in public spaces and like how to use our voice and how to talk to other people and how to share. And then that education just sort of stops. It, and it stops early. It stops at like middle school. So it's it's a good thing to go back and get some more nuanced, grown-up communication skills training. Um, and that can, you don't have to go to therapy forever to get a little training. You could read a book. You could listen to a podcast like this together and then talk about it. Or you could turn to a third party and say, yeah, we'd like somebody to observe us and pay attention to our patterns and give us some feedback so we can make this better because otherwise we're hitting the rocks and that's not where we want to go. So you started with our, our approach to creating an actual plan with thinking about first what we actually need. And as soon as you said that, I started thinking about that question, asking myself that, and sometimes feeling too needy. So how how would you talk to someone like myself or someone who has a partner who might be like, oh, I'm getting these requests uh, all the time and we're having conversations around them. Um, how can both parties uh, think about what it is we need and our expectations from our partner? Yeah. Look, we often are attracted to someone who um, they fit a particular pattern. You know, I, so I trained in depth psychology, which means that I trained in the psychology of Jung and Freud. And it, I take really seriously the fact that we've got a bunch of unconscious stuff kicking our butts under the surface. And I think that when somebody is making requests over and over again of us that we like that are that are much bigger than we can fulfill, or if we feel needy and we're like, oh, I, I need so much from my partner. I need them to do all of these things or I won't feel safe. The word need is an interesting, it's an arrow, right? It's pointing to something. And I like to say it's it's an arrow that points actually back at us. 
It's, it's a U-shaped. We, when we have a need, we can ask our partner for it, but we should also turn and look, what is this need? What am I trying to fulfill? If I say, for instance, I need you um, not to use your phone at the dinner table. That sounds like a reasonable request to me. Um, but if I say, I need you never to text anyone who I don't know about. Wow, that's a that's big because that all of a sudden impacts my work life and all sorts of things. Like I, now I have, I have a lot to think about there. Um, when we have a, a big request, a request that's going to impact our partner's ability to set their own boundaries. Yeah, that is hard. And we have to look at those. Where did that come from? What is it that we're looking to real? Do we want to feel safe in some sort of perfect way? Because unfortunately, perfect security and safety isn't available to uh, the to life. <laughs> we exist and it's hard and stuff is going to happen to us. So if you're feeling needy, I think it's about separating out the, the small needs that will actually foster lots more connection versus great big needs, which a partner can never really slake. They can't ever really slake those needs because they're they're rooted way down deep in the patterns that came from our parents and what we watched growing up. And we're going to have to dig in and do our own work on top of the work that's in our relationship, <laughs> unfortunately, for some people. Um, it, we have to be willing to do our work to get some, well, I mean, healing, I guess, is a good word for it. Or you could just say some growth um, to, to figure out how we can manage those needs no matter what our partner decides to do. Where do you find that balance, though, of like letting go of some of those needs because maybe your expectations are too high, but then also really knowing that whatever that need is, is extremely important to you. And, and if yeah. your partner can't provide that, like, where do you go with that? Right. So we all have deal breakers. But something I've noticed is when I start working with somebody new and I ask them to tell me what their deal breakers are, let's say they're not even in a relationship right now. And I'm like, okay, we'll make a list of your deal breakers and I'll have them list, say, 10 things. And then we go down that list and they pretty quickly can recognize that some of those things aren't deal breakers, but they were the things that had them break up with somebody in the past. So they think they're deal breakers. What I'm bringing up deal breakers because when we have a need to, you know, like a, a big, almost insatiable need. Um, yeah, we're allowed to have that, but we may never get it met. Just because we have a need doesn't mean we can expect our partners or to ever meet them. Um, there's a bit of acceptance to experiencing life, experiencing the reality that, you know, life includes grief and sadness and anger and jealousy and no relationship is going to stop those things from impacting us. But what a relationship can do is provide us a soft spot to have those feelings, to experience them, to learn from them. It's not easy to be alive. <laughs> it's just not. But a relationship can be that soft landing where we can feel a lot. That is a good and succinct sentence there that can... It's kind of simple, but it, it's true. It's not easy to be alive. It's not easy to be with ourselves and in relationship, but it can be amazing if, if we put in the work and to understand ourselves, to understand our partner, to communicate better. So these tools are, are super valuable. And I want to just kind of recap the conversation for an action plan of asking ourselves what we need, you know, setting a timer, 15, 30 minutes, uh, forming a plan uh, before we go into the conversation, writing things down, making sure we're not hungry, angry, lonely, or tired ourselves or our partner. And then, you know, maybe having an object to pass back and forth for our discussion. Now, what kind of language can we use during that discussion for it to be most productive? And then I want to talk about how we can wrap up the discussion so it's not left open-ended so that we can say, okay, let's revisit this and, and how you think about kind of wrapping up a discussion on an action plan. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by MetPro. 
Do you want to improve your health, but you're just not quite sure where to start? With thousands of health strategies available to us, identifying which one works for you and your body is difficult. But according to MetPro, the key to seeing results is to master your metabolism. At MetPro, your metabolism isn't some mystery. It's a data point. Armed with hard science, MetPro is your health concierge, delivering one-on-one coaching and personalized nutrition and fitness regimens. It's not just about weight loss. MetPro's coaches provide busy professionals, athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between with the support and education they need to live a healthier life. MetPro's team of experts has worked with the most recognizable names in sports, entertainment, and business. They've helped thousands of individuals transform their bodies by hacking their metabolism. Recently, they launched a new tool that allows you to experience the same science and tailored strategies that their experts use. This isn't just a food logging tool or a workout app. The MetPro app allows you to start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to best. If you're looking for a high-touch experience working with a metabolic expert, or if you want access to the tools their industry-leading coaches use, visit metpro.co slash I do to take their assessment and speak to their team and learn which options are best for you. Listeners will also get up to one month free when they sign up. Head to metpro, M-E-T-P-R-O dot C-O, not dot com slash I do to take advantage of this opportunity today. Today's episode is also brought to you by Birchbox. So I have a bit of a confession to make, and I'm pretty sure many of you are guilty of it too, because I've surveyed a good number of my girlfriends, and that's that I pretty regularly do not take off my makeup at night. It's horrible, I know, but for some reason, at the end of a long day, it is the last thing I want to do. And I'm usually rushing to get out the door in the morning with Stella. And since I didn't take off my makeup from the night before, I'm halfway ready. So now that doesn't mean that I don't care about skincare or beauty products or that I don't need them. I definitely do. But there is just a ton of options out there and I'm super busy and it can be extremely overwhelming to try and find stuff that I actually like. So sometimes I don't try new stuff and I run out and I don't have eye makeup remover, which is why I tend to not take off my mascara at night. So if you're like me and I tend to consider myself to be what Birchbox calls beauty casual, the best way to get to know new products without all the pressure is with the expert guidance of Birchbox. Birchbox is a service that exists to simplify all the beauty and grooming product options out there specifically for you. I love how their experts feel like friends. Instead of overwhelming me with every product out there, they only tell me about products that they know are going to be worth me checking out. So every month, Birchbox experts select five deluxe size samples tailored to your unique beauty profile. They put together a cheat sheet that tells you what the product is used for and how you use it. And they wrap it all up in a beautifully designed box. You can test drive products at your own pace on your own terms. And when you find something you like, you can buy the full size on birchbox.com and earn loyalty points doing it. And if there's something that's not for you, at least you didn't spend a ton of time and money and effort finding it out. Join the Birchbox community today by heading over to birchbox.com slash I do and get 50% off your first box when you use the promo code I do. That's promo code I D O at birchbox.com slash I do for 50% off your first Birchbox. Birchbox.com slash I do. Yeah, Chase, that's an excellent point. First off, you summarized that brilliantly. That was great. It is about um, getting to a spot where you can get closure. If you are in the conversation, I know I'm the one zillionth person to tell you this, but you got to use I statements and you got to use clear language. Um, I I have a great big vocabulary that I can hide behind. So I need to remember to come out from behind all of that vocabulary and say what I actually mean. 
I also need to speak from my spot. I need to say, when this happens, I feel, um, when I need you to blah, I need you, I have to start with I. So that's just the during. But um, you actually just modeled for us a great way to get closure on a conversation. A tough conversation can often feel like it got like out of control. It can feel like all of a sudden it just splattered all over the place. Collecting up the little pieces and saying, hey, so let's collect up a little bit of what just happened here and just jot it down. And so when I go, if I go on a walk to have a conversation like this, I'll stick an index card and a little pencil in my back pocket so I can just jot down like, so what did we get to? What did we decide? Um, not everybody has a spot on memory um, and none of us are experiencing the world from the same perspective. So that taking like one minute at the end of a conversation to wrap up by saying, I hear you needing this. Um, what do you think? You know, what do you think we got out of this conversation? And just jotting down a few things so that when this comes back around or when let's say this happens, like maybe there's a nice Saturday afternoon and you've carved out time. But when the fight comes back around on Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> you have something to turn to and say, wait, we had a conversation and we came to some agreements or we at least came to an agreement about putting this on hold. Have it written down. I, I, I find that to be such an underused tool in relationships. And is there an option of, I mean, I, this is a rhetorical question, but let's say you, you get to the end of a, a tough conversation. You're like, okay, let's collect the pieces, write it down. But it feels very unresolved. Like we made a tiny dent in it. How can we approach ending that conversation and then tabling it for another time? Yeah. So I like to use a technique that's used in, um, well, it's used in uh, therapeutic classrooms, but it's also used um, in say BDSM scenes called de-rolling. At the end of the conversation, when you said a whole bunch of stuff, um, just like when you're pretending to be someone else, it's good to like get yourselves back to a, a together place. So um, I like to have two people turn toward each other, hold hands if that feels at all comfortable, but it's not required. Make eye contact and say, I see you. I'm Jolie. You're my partner. I love you. Like an, an actual turning toward. I know this issue is unresolved. I know we have more work to do, but I'm glad we showed up to do this part of it. It might feel a little performative at first, um, but the, the second or third time you have a messy conversation and you wrap it up by saying, yep, we had a messy conversation. This was hard. We didn't get to a, some magical answer. But here we are, still us, ready to have our next day together. The second or third time you you debrief, you you um, you de-roll that way and you get back. So like, okay, we're, we're each other's partners and we're doing this. It's all of a sudden, it, it starts to feel like you could talk about anything. And for some people, that might take five or six times practicing it, but when you know you can speak your truth and then say you love someone afterwards, that is a pretty powerful shift in relating. That sounds like a really valuable tool. And in, in, even if it's not a heated or undecided discussion, but just a, a good way to end things uh, before the next discussion. So we really like that. And you mentioned that as a tool in BDSM. Can you elaborate? <laughs> yeah, so I teach um, I teach in postgrad programs. Um, I teach alternative sexualities. So um, in in the scene, as it's called, um, bondage, discipline, sadomasochism, people are engaging in very intense sexual scenarios. And in order to do that, they need to have a safety plan for afterwards. They need to have an aftercare plan. Aftercare plans and safe words come out of that that kink world, but they're great things to put to use. In, a, in anyone's relationship, you don't have to identify as somebody who wants anything terribly kinky in your in your bedroom to say, you know what, if we had a if we had a way to to stop a situation I didn't like by just saying a, a funny word that we've agreed on ahead of time it means hold on, stop, red light, don't go any further. I mean, I've heard people use words like Titanic or biscuit to stop a conversation and then to, to de-roll at the end of a situation. These are tools that got put into place by a community that recognized that, well, they were playing with fire, basically. You're, they were doing very intense things that they wanted and they were consenting to. 
but that doesn't mean that it won't get really, really intense. And then you want to go back to regular life. The word aftercare describes how they re-enter regular life, which means we're going to do something really intense right now. And it doesn't matter what the thing is. It's intense for the people doing it. Um, so that could be something that some, one person's intense could be another person's very mild, right? But if, the, if you're entering into an intense conversation, you have the opportunity to plan for success by saying, okay, and at the end of this intense conversation, we're going to turn toward each other and we're going to remember that we made promises to each other and we're here for the long haul. And even if things don't work out, I appreciate your humanity. I recognize that we have love here. It's, it really is like magic to feel those things after an intense situation. Yeah, because you can become so disconnected when you're, let's say, yeah, in these intense mm -hmm. conversations, argument, and you're feeling all these strong emotions and so is your partner and you're just kind of separate. And if you just end that way, it can kind of drive you apart, even if it was not a super negative conversation on the whole. So we really like that tip, um, Jolie. And we have to ask you, with all this great information, and we want to recap it again, but you mentioned briefly, you have seven kids. So as someone <laughs> who's raised, raising seven kids, how do you find time to, to work on yourself or, or in your relationship or just to, th to frame all that? Because Sarah and I have one and she's an intense little girl and we love her <laughs> to death, but I think she's the equivalent of like three calm children. <laughs> but, I've had one of those. I know what that's like. Gosh. You're probably right. <laughs> so so how, how do you navigate that? Okay, so it's not easy. And it is about prioritizing. Um, when, I, when I had my first child, someone introduced me to the concept of sequencing. Um, and that was the biggest relief I ever felt. Um, and I was only 23 when I had my first child. And um, at the time, I was trying to have a career and I was trying to do all these things. I was starting another business and I had this child and she was a very high needs child um, who I loved intensely, but she never, she literally never took a, a nap off of my chest for the first 11 months. It was so intense to raise her. Um, sequencing, the idea that you don't need to do it all, all at once. You can do them at one at a time, helped me release from the idea that I needed to do all the things. So I make time. So my kids are now 13 to 21. And I make time with my partner by, by putting it on my list of three. It's, it's one of my three yeses. So I prioritize it in my list of three yeses that I will make time for even when things get really, really hard. But then I also get really specific about what does that mean? Where are we making time for that and when? Um, I, I've run businesses with, with my husband. I have right now he's working uh, more than full time and he's working from home and we're doing all these things. And now we have teenagers, which in some ways is harder than when they were toddlers. They have really varied needs. You know, we're always teaching somebody to drive or something. So what we have to do <laughs> is remember to actually name the time when we're going to work on a relationship because it is work. Um, my partner, Ken and I, we once spent a whole year clocking how much time we were spending on our relationships and it was coming in around 15 hours a week. Wow. wow. Yeah, it was a lot. And it was because we were healing from a lot of damage that we had each experienced and, and created. And then we had come together and we made a bigger mess. And then we were trying to get to a place where we were, where we were good for each other. And it took a lot of effort. So that was like having a part-time job, which meant we had to set that time aside. It meant I set down some of my hobbies. I closed a business. Um, so I was down to just one career at the time. Um, it meant that we needed to, we stopped going to the particular therapist we had been going to and found somebody who could see us both together and separately so that it would be a little bit tighter timeline. We did creative things to make sure that we prioritized it because we knew at that point, that if we didn't spend a lot of time, we couldn't possibly get through this. We were going to have to start over it separately. Now, <laughs> we've actually come up with some other different creative ways. Um, one of them is that we just started a podcast together and it's tiny. We literally just started it a few weeks ago, but we talked to each other about our relationship and we carved out this time and we just started recording it. And one of the things that 
we've learned from that is that, right, because the calendar tells us to record the episode, we have another hard conversation. That's fantastic. And you don't have to start a podcast to do that. (laughs) You can just just set aside that time on the calendar as a non-negotiable. That comes first. I never cancel appointments with my therapist because I charge myself, you know, they charge me money. Mm -hmm. So I charge myself money if I don't show up for that conversation. I don't want to do that. (laughs) So I show up. Um, we've had to get really creative. Yeah. Having seven kids is no joke, but, (laughs) um, but relating matters and it just does. For me, it's where everything kind of starts and stops. Not just my relationship with my partner, my relationship with my friends, my relationship with myself, my children. Yeah. It's, you got to make time. It's not easy. (laughs) No, it's not. And it's like you said, it constantly takes work and relationships are really hard work. And I feel like with the podcast and this, the constantly working on a relationship, and I'm sure our listeners who maybe listen to every episode have gotten to a place where sometimes you just want to feel content in your relationship. And yes, it's, but do you ever get to that place? Because then it's like, then you feel like you stopped working and then, (laughs) then things start to like unravel. So like, how do you find that balance of continuing to work, but then stopping and implementing those things and just seeing how it's working? Yeah. So seasonally, I think of that as seasons, the same way I plan for my business. Not every season needs to be high, high intense stuff. Um, For me, I know that um, in our relationship, my husband and I are going to have stuff to work on at the holiday time, even though that is the least convenient time it could possibly be. So we set aside time then. But honestly, in summer, generally, the stress is really low and we can take time to just be content. And, you know, I've worked with people who have found that their seasons are, some people cycle into seasons and out of them really quickly. Some people, it's, you know, like whole years can go by where they're just sort of content. Um, But it's usually, we don't usually have to do anything. Life will provide us with the next jostle we'll experience a loss, a change of, of, of our relationship status. We'll experience, you know, something changes in our children's lives or our parents' lives. Something will happen or we'll have a pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> something will happen and that will provide this material. So I, I, in depth psychology, we would talk about that as prima materia and you, you put it into this vessel, right? Like this, this alchemical vessel, stuff's going to happen and apply heat to the vessel you're not going to actually have to stir the pot very hard. Life's going to happen to you. But when it does, it's a little bit like that phrase, you know, if if you do, if you have time to meditate, meditate an hour a day. If you don't have time to meditate, meditate 2 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> like that, but for relationships. When my partner and I are at the edge of our capacity, yep, that means we need to schedule at least 60 minutes a day to connect. 60 minutes. And that's a lot when you've got all these people and multiple businesses pulling at you and all these, it's so much. But that's the difference between a life that feels genuinely blissful. Like, like I make myself a little ill because it's so darn fun to be with him. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but that's it. That's what we do. What we do, we, we dig in to each other when, when times get tough and it works. It just works. I love how you mentioned the seasons of your relationship and those cycles. We actually had um, a guest on the show, maybe it's been about a year ago, Dr. John Catone, and the whole episode was about the different seasons of your relationship from start to beginning to just throughout the year and then how to navigate those cycles. It's, it's really fascinating. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes for our listeners who are, who are listening right now wanting to hear more. But yeah, it's just so important to to think about and remember, especially, you know, right now during the holidays, like maybe you are going through a lot of stress in your relationship, but maybe it's also not the best time to, you know, focus on it because it can just intensify things and, and maybe make them worse. Yeah. And it's okay to put pause on something. You know, something I didn't say earlier when Chase, you asked, how can we wrap things up? It's okay to say, we didn't get anywhere on this. Let's, let's stick a pin in it, but let's stick a pin in it. Let's not Mm -hmm. say, oh, well, this is unresolvable. It's okay to say, you know what? I call, (laughs) we call it calling shotgun in our house. Um, if, so my father passed away, um, a couple months ago and the next day I, I remembered to say to my partner, like, oh, I call shotgun, which meant, 
then for the next, for the foreseeable future, until I had said I was off, I needed him to remember that I was grieving. I was a mess. And I, and, and I just, I needed to come first for a little while. And it took a few weeks. I just needed to come first without really asking. And so, yeah, like things don't have to be all worked out because that meant we took a few weeks off from like working on relationship stuff because I was, I was just feeling it wasn't the time. I didn't have to make anything harder right then. It's hard enough. <laughs> that is a, a great point and, and little tool to have. And we've had other shows where we talk about understanding the female cycle and how our hormones are changing every week. And that could be a, a system that we recognize, okay, like your partner is calling shotgun because their hormones are going crazy. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's reasonable to take the wheel and exactly. give somebody a break. <laughs> yes, yes. So thank you for, for that, Jolie. And, and thank you for everything you've shared with us and our listeners today. Really a valuable and actionable show. And uh, before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and if there's anything we skipped over or something that you want to emphasize? And then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. Well, people can find me at JolieHamilton.com. That's J-O-L-I and Hamilton, like the musical. Um, and on there, um, people can find out how to work with me, but they can also see, I, I wrote all this stuff down. It's in a book. So one of the easiest ways to see my work is to my book. It's called Project Relationship, the Entrepreneur's Action Plan for Passionate, Sustainable Love. And I, I wrote it for entrepreneurial women, but I got feedback across the board that it is a great resource for anybody, even if you're not in a relationship currently, to just think about how you relate. Um, so I, I, I can highly recommend just turning to that if you're if you're looking for a fairly quick but actionable read. And people can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Jolie Hamilton. Excellent. Well, our listeners can find the links to all of those in our show notes and on our website at idopodcast.com. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Jolie. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah and Chase. This is great. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, guys. As always, the links will be in the podcast description as well as on the show notes on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on our website, we hope you guys check out our free 14-day happy couple challenge. Uh, it's a challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days with easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And it's honestly just a whole lot of fun to do with your partner. It's something new and we think you guys will really enjoy it. So check it out. And while you're on the website, there are tons of free resources as well as more information about our online course, Spark My Relationship, where our listeners can get $100 off. So check that out. You can go directly to the course website at sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. And that's where you can get the $100 off. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com